What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about who would be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks this season, Drew Locke or Geno Smith. Also going to be breaking down the quarterback competition between Mitchell Trubisky and rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett, who's going to end up winning the starting QB job in Pittsburgh. Then I'm going to be giving you guys my first year expectations for Lovey Smith with the Houston Texans and Matt Eberflus with the Chicago Bears. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore and on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. Lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Who starts at quarterback this season for the Seattle Seahawks? It looks like we have a two-man race at the moment between Drew Locke and Geno Smith. When you look at Drew Locke, he was acquired in the trade when Seattle shipped off Russell Wilson to Denver. Pete Carroll has been really high on Drew Locke. He has said a lot of good things about him. As a matter of fact, he said that if Drew Locke was available in this past year's NFL draft, he felt like he would have been the first quarterback taken off the board. Now, I don't really know if I will fully agree with those statements. If you're talking about in terms of potential and upside, Drew Locke probably would have one of the highest ceilings out of all the quarterbacks who were drafted in this past year's draft class. However, he was a second round pick for a reason coming out of the 2019 NFL draft, which Denver ended up taking him out of Missouri. And so far, his NFL career hasn't really had the ideal start. Last season, he appeared in three games for Denver. He went 0-3 as the starter in those matchups, completing 60.4% of his passes, throwing for 787 passing yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. The previous season... 2020 he went 4-9 as a starter for the Broncos throwing for 2,933 passing yards 16 touchdowns to 15 interceptions while completing 57.3% of his passes now for Drew Locke maybe a change of senior is what he needed because it's not like he had an offensive-minded head coach at the helm. He had Vic Vangio as his head coach, and he is more of a defensive-minded head coach. So with him going to Seattle, Seattle has a pretty good group of wide receivers. He's going to be throwing the DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. They have a pretty good stable of running backs. And the offensive line also for Seattle has improved. It's a little bit better going into this season compared to what it has been in the past. So when you look at Drew Locke, Obviously, he has more upside and potential compared to Geno Smith. You're looking at somebody who has pretty good athleticism and has a really strong arm. He can throw the ball from any angle, any part of the field. And Pete Carroll loves strong arm quarterbacks. As a matter of fact, every single quarterback that is on the dev chart currently for Seattle, Drew Locke, Geno Smith, Jacob Eason, and even Levi Wallace, all of them have pretty strong arms. So when you look at Drew Locke, the upside's there, the potential's there. You're just wondering if the coaching is going to be good enough to develop Drew Locke. Because if Drew Locke ends up being the starting quarterback for Seattle, 
they're going to be a little bit more explosive compared to what they would be if they would start Geno Smith simply for the fact that Drew Locke has that gunslinger mentality and that's kind of what got him in trouble with the Denver Broncos it's nothing wrong with being aggressive but you also have to learn how to take calculated risk you never want to go into life taking unnecessary risk you always want to go into something with a emergency plan just in case yes you do have to take risks sometimes but at the same time it's no point in taking unnecessary risks that could end up making you lose it all and for Drew Locke too many times throughout his Denver Broncos career he was too aggressive and his aggressiveness ended up costing Denver Broncos a lot of ball games but however I do feel like with Seattle him getting a fresh start could be what he needs to get his career going in the right direction Meanwhile, you look at Geno Smith. Geno Smith has been the Seahawks backup quarterback for the past two seasons. They re-signed him this offseason to a one-year deal, $3.5 million. And he was pretty solid for Seattle when he had to start in absence of Russell Wilson. When he ended up going down with that injury, he threw for 702 pass yards, five touchdowns, and had one interception and completed 68.4% of his passes. And I think a lot of people are overlooking Geno Smith in this quarterback competition. I know he may not be the more popular or sexy pick to be the starter, but he does have a good amount of experience. He has familiarity with the playbook. And on top of that, Pete Carroll actually came out and said that Geno Smith is kind of leading the quarterback competition right now simply for those reasons. However, if I was a betting man and I had to put money down right now on who I think would end up being the starter if the season was to start today, I would have to roll with Geno Smith. And I know a lot of Seahawks fans are probably not going to be happy with this assessment, but you look at Geno Smith he was rock solid last season. And on top of that, when he was starting, it's not like Seattle was getting blown out. They were right there. You go back to that Pittsburgh Steeler game when he ended up having the ball punched out by the best defensive player in the league named TJ Watt. He had Seattle in situations to win ball games. So for Geno Smith, I don't think he would be a bad option. And it's not like anybody's expecting Seattle to be world beaters this year. As a matter of fact, a lot of people expect Seattle to probably be one of the worst teams in the league this season. So if Pete Carroll is really trying to win, the quarterback who gives him the best opportunity to win this season is Geno Smith. However, if Pete Carroll wants to swing for the upside and try to see what he has in Drew Locke, then you should start Drew Locke. Either way, Seattle's quarterback situation isn't really ideal and Pete Carroll has came out and said that he doesn't expect them to add a veteran. So it does look like they're going to be trading for Baker Mayfield. And it looks like it's either going to come down to these two. Now, I probably also should talk a little bit about Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason spent last season, at least in the preseason, starting for the Indianapolis Colts. He ended up not winning that backup quarterback job. He ended up getting beaten out. So he's on Seattle. And Jacob Eason has a really strong arm, but... He has a tough time throwing with touch. Every ball he throws kind of is a fastball. It has no touch. He doesn't know how to lead wide receivers open. So he needs a good amount of development. But the arm strength is there with him. Then you have Levi Lewis, who played his college ball for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And I watched a lot of Levi Lewis. He has a pretty good arm despite being small. He's only 5'10", 5'11". But he has pretty good mobility. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does throughout the offseason program for the Seattle Seahawks. Could he end up beating out Jacob Eason for that third string quarterback job? But 
Right now, I expect Geno Smith to be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks this upcoming season. I know many of you Seahawks fans watching this probably aren't going to like that, but I just think that Geno Smith at the moment with the experience factor, the fact that he knows the playbook more compared to Drew Locke, I think that Pete Carroll is going to roll with him. But if Pete Carroll wants to roll the dice and try to swing for the upside, go for Drew Locke. Who starts at quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers this season? Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett? And I'm going to be honest with you. If Kenny Pickett doesn't beat out Mitchell Trubisky, I'm going to be extremely concerned. Because the reason why Kenny Pickett was mainly drafted in the first round by Pittsburgh is because Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert felt like he was the most pro-ready quarterback coming out of the draft. And if he is going to sit for a year behind Trubisky, you might as well have just went ahead and drafted Malik Willis because Malik Willis had more potential than any other quarterback in this past year's draft class. And on top of that, Kenny Pickett is 24 years old. I wouldn't want to have my starting quarterback of the future having to start his first NFL game at the age of 25. So if Kenny Pickett can't beat out Mitch Trubisky, I'm going to have a lot of question marks about the selection and I'm not going to be really happy because what's the point of drafting a quarterback in the first round when Pittsburgh needs players who can come in and have an impact right away you could have used that selection on the offensive lineman probably a corner there's so many different ways Pittsburgh could have went if they didn't expect Kenny Pickett to start right away And on top of that, Kevin Colbert, in the interview that he did with 105.9X, he said that, and I quote, it's almost like he spent his rookie NFL season at the college level and really mastered it. Coach Pat Narduzzi and Coach Mark Whipple provided him with opportunity to take that step in a pro scheme. And it's easier to project those types of players and those schematics to our level. It's not that others that play in a more college-type offense can't do it. It's just more guesswork. Now, for those of you guys who don't know who Mark Whipple was, he was Kenny Pickett's offensive coordinator at Pittsburgh. He also was the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback coach from 2004 to 2006, coaching up Ben Roethlisberger for his first couple of years in the league. You look at Kenny Pickett. Coming out of Pittsburgh, he was praised for his decision-making, his accuracy. He's really good when it comes to throwing wide receivers open. He has really good anticipation. Doesn't have the strongest arm. He probably has an average to above-average arm. And many people have questions about his hand size and how that's going to translate to the NFL level with him having to wear two gloves. But honestly... I'm not really too concerned about any of those things because Kenny Pickett is going to have a good enough supporting cast around him that should be able to elevate him. You're going to have Deontay Johnson, a true number one wide receiver. You're going to have Chase Claypool, who is a really good 50-50 ball down um, wide receiver down the field. You're going to have George Pickens. You're going to have Calvin Austin. You're going to have Najee Harris in the backfield. The offensive line is a tad bit better going into this season compared to where it was a year ago. And on top of that, Matt Canada recruited Kenny Pickett when he was coming out of high school, and although he didn't get the opportunity to coach Kenny Pickett at the college level, he ended up going to LSU. It's still worth noting that Kenny Pickett translates well into Matt Canada's system. 
Meanwhile, when you look at Mitchell Trubisky, the Steelers signed him really early during the free agency period to a two-year contract worth 14.285 million dollars. He led the Chicago Bears to the playoffs twice throughout his career with the Bears. He has good athleticism and mobility. 2018, he was 11-3 as a starter. He went to the Pro Bowl some way, somehow, completing 66.6% of his passes, throwing for 3,223 passes, yards, 24 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. His last season, he was 6-3 as a starter. Chicago was able to backdoor their way into the postseason. However, he was benched week three for Nick Foles, and then he ended up becoming the starter again later on that same season. You look at Mitchell Trubisky, he is a better athlete than Kenny Pickett. He also is more mobile than Kenny Pickett. However, a lot of people are kind of overlooking the reason why Mitchell Trubisky didn't work out with the Chicago Bears. Many Stiller fans who are in favor of Trubisky or think that Trubisky is going to be the starting quarterback over Kenny Pickett. They say that, well, JT, he didn't really have that much talent in Chicago. I mean, we're going to forget that he was throwing to Allen Robinson, one of the better wide receivers in the league. Okay. And then on top of that, it wasn't just coaching and talent. That was the reason why Mitchell Trubisky didn't work out. You guys got to remember that. Trubisky struggled with throwing the football downfield with accuracy. He also struggled to read NFL defenses. There are a lot of games that you can go back during Trubisky's time in Chicago where he literally would stare down wide receivers wide open and then throw it to another wide receiver who was covered. On top of that, he just really isn't good when it comes to moving the football downfield vertically. And for Steeler fans, do you really want a quarterback who struggles to push the football downfield? Because remember, the last couple of seasons, a lot of people's criticisms about the Pittsburgh Steelers offense has been that they rely too much on the short passing game, which allows defenders to come up, take away those short passing routes, and then force you to throw the football downfield. And then on top of that, you look at Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is better when it comes to reading defenses than Mitchell Trubisky, and that may be a hot take, but I don't think it's too far-fetched. So if Mitchell Trubisky ends up being the starting quarterback this season for the Steelers, I'm going to be really surprised. And not only am I going to be surprised, but I'm going to be really worried because if Kenny Pickett, your first round pick, can't beat out a guy in Mitchell Trubisky, who is a pretty good backup, but a below average fringe starter at best, that gives me a lot of room for pause and a lot of room for concern. So I expect Kenny Pickett to be the starting quarterback for the Steelers this season. I don't understand why... Many people expect Trubisky to be the starting quarterback. Maybe it's because Trubisky is a great guy, didn't really get into any problems off the field, great player when it comes to what he does in the community. I like Mitchell Trubisky as a person, but when it comes to him being a starting quarterback, I think he would be more of a solid backup option for Pittsburgh, and the contract is a pretty serviceable contract that what you would give one of the better backup QBs in the league. But if Trubisky has to start, he does also translate well into Matt Kennedy's system. Matt Kennedy wants to use a lot of RPOs. He probably is going to use Mitchell Trubisky on a good amount of design quarterback runs, which is also going to help out the run game, take a little bit of the load off of Najee Harris. But overall, Kenny Pickett is 
is the better quarterback. And although we haven't seen him start in an NFL game, it's just that when you go back and you look at the film from what Kenny Pickett did at Pitt, and you look at how it translates to the next level, translates pretty well. Kenny Pickett was regarded by many coming out of this past year's quarterback class to be the most pro-ready quarterback. So if he can't start week one right away for Pittsburgh, kind of erases the point of Pittsburgh drafting him in the first round when you just could have went other options or you just could have went with Malik Willis who had more upside. It's just that for Kenny Pickett, he has to win this starting quarterback job. He just has to because if he has to sit for a year and he can't beat out Trubisky, it's just not really a great look. And I know a lot of Steeler fans aren't going to be happy if Kenny Pickett can't beat out Mitchell Trubisky either. It's funny how everybody's rooting for Trubisky, but yet if Pickett doesn't end up beating him out for the starting job, everybody in the national media is going to pile on Pittsburgh. They're going to say they made the wrong selection and they're going to criticize Pickett as well. So I'm hoping that Pickett ends up being the starting quarterback. If Trubisky has to start at QB, he can't win games for Pittsburgh simply for the fact that the Steelers have a very good defense and he does have a pretty good supporting cast around him. And you could say that Trubisky's walking into a situation that's better than anything that he ever had with the Bears, which is true to an extent. However, there's a reason why Trubisky was a backup quarterback for Buffalo. If Trubisky was a good enough starter, he would have ended up starting for another franchise last season. But I expect Kenny Pickett to win this starting quarterback job. I already made a video about why I feel like Kenny Pickett will win NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year this season. Make sure that you guys go ahead and check that video out. But you guys let me know down in the comment section down below if you're watching this on YouTube who you guys feel will win the starting quarterback job for the Steelers this season. Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky? What are my first-year expectations for Lovey Smith with the Houston Texans? Last season under David Culley, the Texans finished with one of the worst records in the league at 4-13. They ended up hiring Lovey Smith, who was their defensive coordinator and assistant head coach last year. And a lot of people were really surprised with this hiring. Nobody expected Lovey Smith to even be mentioned. In the head coaching debate when it came to deciding who was going to be the next head coach to lead this Texans organization. However, the word on the street was that Brian Flores was supposed to be the next head coach for the Texans. However, with his ongoing lawsuit with the NFL and whatnot, that kind of scared the Texans away from wanting to hire him. And they opted to go and hire Lovey Smith, who Lovey Smith impressed them in the interview process and we already know that lovey smith is one of the best and greatest human human beings alive he is a players coach players love playing for him i actually have a friend of mine who plays for the university of illinois and he played under lovey smith back in 2020 his red shirt year he had nothing but great things to say about lovey smith great leader of men he's going to build a great culture in the locker room However, despite the fact that Lovey Smith is a player's coach, that doesn't mean that that's going to equate to wins because outside of what he did during his time as the head coach of the Chicago Bears from 04 to 2012 with a 81-63 record and a Super Bowl appearance with Rex Grossman, 
can't forget to leave that out. His last two head coaching stops after that haven't really been that successful. He was the head coach of the Buccaneers from 2014 to 2015, had an 8-24 record. Then he was the head coach of Illinois, had a 17-34 and record. So he hasn't really had a proven track record of winning over the last couple of years. And although Texans fans are going to be like, well, JT, he's better than David Culley because David Culley was inexperienced. He struggled with clock management. I understand that. However, this isn't the Lovey Smith that we saw when he was coaching the Chicago Bears. This is a Lovey Smith that hasn't really been that great his last couple of stops. On top of that, he was the defensive coordinator for Houston, and Houston's defense wasn't good last season. They had one of the worst defenses in the league. Now, albeit they didn't have a lot of talent, this was one of the least talented teams in the league. However, there's nothing really about this hire that brings optimism in a sense. However, this is a move that some people review as an upgrade, but not a big upgrade. In my opinion, I think it's a lateral move. I don't think that Houston got any better at head coach. As a matter of fact, if you would have brought him back David Culley, I don't think nobody's expectations about how Houston will perform this season would change. However, it is worth noting that I think Lovey Smith has assembled a really good coaching staff. He's going to have Pep Hamilton as his offensive coordinator. Remember, Pep Hamilton was really pivotal. Pivot. He played a really big role in Justin Herbert's rookie season. I actually made a video a couple of years ago about why the Chargers bringing in Pep Hamilton to be their quarterback's coach was a very good move. And I think that he played a bigger part in Justin Herbert's rookie season, how successful it went, than what a lot of people give him credit for. He also worked with Andrew Luck in the past. So Pep Hamilton is somebody who is highly regarded amongst the NFL world. And I think that he's somebody who's going to get the most out of second-year quarterback Davis Mills because Pep Hamilton is one of the smartest football guys that we have in the NFL. He's somebody who's highly intellectual, has a really high football IQ, which is why I think he got along with Justin Herbert really well because Justin Herbert coming out of Oregon had over a 4.0 GPA. He was really smart and Pep Hamilton and him hit it off. You look at Davis Mills coming from Stanford, super smart, his own right, high football IQ. I just feel like Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton could do some really big things. Despite the fact that Houston may not have the most talented offense, I feel like from a schematic standpoint, Pep Hamilton is going to be able to maximize at least what he has to work with offensively with this Texans offense. And they do have wide receiver Brandon Cooks, who is the most underrated wide receiver in the league. We heard his name brought up a lot so far this offseason when it came to trade rumors and whatnot. Then you have Nico Collins, who flashed last season. He was the Texans' second leading receiver, and he could end up having a breakout season for the Texans this year. Then you have rookie wideout out of Alabama, John Mechie, who could be a solid contributor year one. I felt like John Mechie was a little bit overly criticized during the drive process because he didn't really have the athletic ability that you would want. However, he has a lot of good traits that translates well to the lead. Despite the fact he's not the most explosive athlete, he's a pretty good route runner, has really good hands, and he's a little bit better after the catch than what many people give him credit for. So the wide receiving core, although 
it's probably going to be viewed upon as one of the worst in the NFL. I don't think it's going to be that bad. Then on top of that, you have Brevin Jordan tied in out of Miami, who they drafted not too long ago. I also think that he could be a little bit of a contributor as well on the offense. The offensive line scares me. You don't really know what you're going to get out of it. At the running back position, you have Marlon Mack, Damian Pierce, and Rex Burkhead. I think that Damian Pierce has potential to end up being either the best or the second best rookie running back this season when it's all said and done because out of all of the rookie running backs I think he's in a position where he has the opportunity to get the most reps because he only has to beat out Marlon Mack who had a pretty good tenure with the Indianapolis Colts before he went down with that injury then you look at Rex Burkhead who is more of a pass catching back in a sense so for Damian Pierce this guy reminds me a lot of Nick Chubb he runs hard he runs tough there was a play I forgot which game it was that his helmet got knocked off and he just kept on running the dude is a freight train he's a monster I'm really excited to see what he does this season with the Houston Texans and if you're somebody who's into fantasy football and you're looking for some players to stash on your roster in a deep league, I definitely would give Damian Pierce a great look because he's going to be really good in short yardage situations and goal line situations. And even if Marlon Mack does end up getting the majority of the carries, he's still going to have the potential to score more touchdowns than Marlon Mack simply for the fact that he is better suited for the short yardage situations compared to him. On defense, I think that the cornerback position may be the strength of this team. That may be a little bit of, that may cause a little bit of controversy in the comment section, but I like the addition of drafting Derek Stanley third overall, even though you have a little bit of questions when it comes to his durability. However, many people viewed him as the best or the second best cornerback coming out of the draft. Wasn't really too mad about the selection. Then you pair him up with Steven Nelson, who is a pretty solid starter. Steven Nelson is a top 20 corner at best, and he played pretty solid for Philadelphia. He also was really solid during his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been a pretty solid cornerback everywhere that he's been. Then you have Desmond King, who is also really solid as well. He's pretty good also, and he's young. I think he's only 26 years old. So the cornerback position for Houston isn't as bad as what I initially thought then I was a big fan of rookie safety Jalen Petrie coming out of Baylor he was one of my favorite prospects coming out of the NFL draft I think that he's going to have a big impact and he's going to dramatically improve this Houston Texans secondary right away then you have pass rusher Jonathan Greener led the team in sacks his second year in the league last year at eight So imagine what he could do this season going into year three. If you're a Texans fan, you're hoping that he could end up becoming a double-digit sack guy. But if he ends up giving you seven, eight sacks, I think that's also pretty solid. But this team has a lot of holes. You question how good the interior of the offensive line is going to be. You wonder how good the defensive line is going to be. And on top of that, the fact that Lovey Smith wasn't really that great as a defensive coordinator last year gives me a lot of room for pause. Even even though you can say well JT he didn't have the talent and he did say that he is going to change something schematically on the defensive side of the football at the end of the day I don't really feel as Lovey Smith is going to be the long-term option at head coach for Houston I feel as if 
if Houston has another season that they had last year where they end up only winning four or five games, we could potentially see Lovey Smith end up getting fired at the end of the year after one season. I would be a little bit more optimistic about this hire if we were coming in with the assumption that Lovey Smith was going to have at least two to three years to turn around the Houston Texans. And I kind of feel like it's a little bit unfair for Lovey Smith, the situation that he's kind of been putting in, because he wasn't the Texans' ideal choice, as we already know. There were other candidates. And the fact that Lovey Smith emerged late in the head coaching process lets you know everything that you need to know about the Houston Texans organization. They couldn't get their number one guy. They got scared off from hiring Brian Flores, so they ended up going the route of taking and bringing in Lovey Smith. And I know this seems like a Lovey Smith hate fest, but I don't hate Lovey Smith. I love Lovey Smith. He's a great person. He's a great leader of men. I just don't believe in him as the head coach for Houston. And I think it's really reasonable to expect Houston to be in the same place they were at the end of last season, again, at the start of 2023, looking for another head coach. But hey, you guys let me know what are your first year expectations for the Houston Texans. I think they're probably going to end up picking in the top three of the draft. And I think that they're still going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Lastly, I want to talk about my first-year expectations for first-year head coach Matt Eberflus of the Chicago Bears. And first of all, we got to start off by saying good luck to him because he's going to need it because Chicago may have one of the worst rosters in the whole entire NFL. You look at what they have on the offensive side of the football, you have three solid young pieces. You got quarterback Justin Fields who had a underwhelming rookie season then you have wide receiver Darnell Mooney. You got running back David Montgomery, and that's about it. The offensive line is a huge question mark. Not really a lot of proven talent there. Outside of Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver position may end up being one of the worst, if not the worst, in the league. And then you had Mike Eberflus, who even came out and said that, hey, even though we didn't do much to give Justin Fields more weapons this offseason, we are still going to try our best to put him in situations to succeed. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen, but they're probably going to utilize him a lot more on design quarterback runs. You're probably going to have to lean on the run game heavily this year because the wide receiving core probably is going to be a huge letdown. But the defense, I think, still should be pretty solid. And with Matt Eberflus being a defensive-minded head coach, he should be able to elevate the defense already. You got Robert Quinn, who had 18 and a half sacks, the second most sacks that he ever has had in his career outside of his 19-sack season. Then you have cornerbacks Jalen Johnson, rookie Kyler Gordon. You got rookie safety Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. I really loved him a lot. You got Eddie Jackson, which... Can somebody please tell me what has happened to Eddie Jackson? Because he looks like a shell of himself. He went from being an all-pro to being a okay safety. He's not one of the worst safeties in the league. He's still pretty solid, but he's not the elite level safety that he once used to be. So hopefully, hopefully with Matt Eberflus coming in, he ends up bringing back Eddie Jackson and revitalizing his career. We get the Eddie Jackson that we've seen in the past when he was playing at his best when he was an all-pro. You also can't forget about linebacker Roquan Smith as well, one of the best linebackers in the league, probably the most underrated linebacker in the NFL. When you talk about top five linebackers right now, 
now, I definitely feel like you have to include Roquan Smith in that conversation because he's really good against the run. He's also really good in pass coverage. He can do it all. Sideline to sideline linebacker. You could see Roquan Smith elevate under Matt Eberflus and end up becoming an all-pro this season. So the defense, although not as talented as what it has been in the past, Chicago has released a lot of veterans. You still have to have the expectation that since you have a defensive-minded coach, he's going to be able to elevate the defense regardless. So the defense should still be pretty good. However, on the offensive side of the football, not really having a lot of high expectations. And overall, when you look at this team, it's kind of hard seeing this franchise winning more than four games this season and I think we could see Justin Fields in for another season where he kind of struggles although I do think that he will improve going into year two I still don't think it's going to be that traumatic of a improvement simply for the fact that he doesn't have the greatest team around him offensively and off the line is going to be a huge question mark so I'm not expecting big things out of Matt Eberflus year one I would be really surprised if they end up winning more than six games this season that's my expectation for them to at least win four but you guys let me know down in the comment section down below what are your first year expectations for Matt Eberflus with the Chicago Bears make sure that you guys like the video subscribe to the channel for more NFL videos and college football videos and I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast remember that the JT Sports Podcast is available on all podcasting platforms Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts from the JT Sports podcast is available i appreciate you guys for listening watching and i'll see you guys shortly with another episode of the jt sports podcast